ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. Great to have you here on the block. You're at ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Always a pleasure to welcome in our next guest, uh, particularly now, a lot to get into. So what do you say we, we jump right in the pool, ladies and gentlemen? He is the athletic director at Syracuse University. John Wildhack is back with us here on ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. John, how are you, sir? I'm well, Brent. How are you? I am well as well. You have been busy for sure up there and a, a lot to get into. So let's jump in, sir. And starts with um, some interesting news as of late and a release put out by uh, Syracuse today. So we know that there's going to be a new name on the Carrier Dome coming up soon and some details to come on that. But some things we know now, let me ask you uh, right off the bat there. Tell us how this came to be and how uh, a name that's been on the facility for 43 years will soon be different. You know, it just it, uh, it came about is the cooperation and communication and conversation uh, with the two entities, with the Carrier Corporation and with the university. And, you know, ultimately reached a, you know, a resolution and an outcome that was satisfactory to, uh, to both parties. We appreciate Carrier's cooperation, and you know, we acknowledge the importance of the of the Carrier Corporation, uh, particularly in terms of getting the uh, the dome built uh, back in 1979 and, and uh, open for 1980. What was the, the motivation on Carrier's part to to break this deal to move forward here? How did you get that message across to them that this is something that you needed to do at Syracuse University? You know, I think, Brent, that's probably, it's a good question, probably better for, for them to answer. But, again, I think you've got to have cooperation and good conversation and communication between, you know, both entities when you're having discussions like this. And, you know, it's a resolution which is, you know, satisfactory to to, uh, to both parties, and that's what's most important. John, it's fascinating because at the time, as has been described and as described aptly, this was groundbreaking. This was the first naming rights deal for a, a college stadium and it was it was groundbreaking it was revolutionary I'd never really heard of it before but then the more you got into it and the more college sports changed the more this had to change and it took a while but we got here so let me come from your angle of this and and the motivation to kind of get into something that is now normal in the sports world right to have naming rights on a facility well, it is, it is normal, and it's not only you know, it's not only uh, you know, sporting facilities, but it's entertainment facilities as well. You're seeing across the country with naming rights, so this is you know this is kind of how business is is conducted, um, you know, in 2022, and and now that's going to give us the opportunity to uh, to do exactly that. There has been uh, a report that JMA Wireless is going to be the name. I, I know we're going to find out officially here, but uh, is there anything you can confirm on that front? Is it a, is it a local business? Is it JMA? Is it is there anything you can add to that? Um, unfortunately, Brent, you know, nothing you know that I can you know discuss you know, today in terms of the potential future naming partners. Can I ask? Um, and maybe you can't be specific on some names, but I would imagine you've had a lot of people, a lot of companies approach you about this, interested in this, and now it's finally come through. So can you describe the level of interest from companies, local or otherwise, to want to replace Carrier as, as the name on the facility? Well, well I think yeah, it, goes, it goes back to this is, 
and we've talked, you and I have talked about it before. This is one of the iconic venues in American sport. It's not college sport, an American sport. And it's unique. Um, you know, home to five teams, 60 events a year. All those are nationally televised, some internationally televised on an ESPN platform, which, and that exposure would be incredibly important to any naming rights partner. And then you look at the third party events that we do. You know, look no further than Paul McCartney, you know, coming in a couple of months. Um, so this is, you know, an, an iconic venue. And yes, there's been a number of entities that have expressed interest over the years. and you know, representing us and working with us if the opportunity came to fruition. Um, but, uh, you know, until, you know, until today, um, in the announcement today, all that was was, con- was conversation. But I do think there's tremendous respect and acknowledgement of what a unique and iconic venue uh, the Dome is. There's some other changes coming to the Dome that was in the release that I want to ask you about here, John, but I did want to ask this, too, because we've heard it referred to a, a number of ways here. No matter what the name is when we find out coming up, will it still have Dome in the name? Will the facility still be referenced as such? Yeah, good, good, good question. I mean, yeah, you know, I've... Is, is an alum and somebody who came back every year, I've always called it the Dome. Right, so yeah. I'm probably not the right person to ask that question to, in a sense. And I get it. For a lot of people, you know, it, it's, it's, it's going to be the Dome. But, you know, ultimately, you know, we, if, uh, if we're successful at, uh, at, uh, at having a new naming rights partner, you know, that'll be part of the conversation is how they want the, uh, the venue officially referred to. John Wildhax, our guest, Syracuse Athletic Director, and as a part of uh, the announcement today and things we had heard reported before, John, new seating coming in. The metal bench is soon to be a thing of the past, though, as you noted in the in the release day, it will be repurposed for any high schools or anybody out there that's looking for some big silver benches. You're going to have some available soon. And uh, tell us how that got done and uh, what that is going to do in terms of capacity, ticket prices, and, and things people want to know about when the new seats do get put in. Yeah, I think um, you know. Obviously, it's it's fan fan feedback that's been one of the you know most vocal uh, items that we heard we've heard from our fans. So we're pleased that now we're in a position to do that and go to chairback seating throughout the venue. Um, in terms of capacity, Brent, we're, we're we are doing our homework as we speak on this because part of it is dependent upon how you know how the width of the chairbacks, et cetera, that type of thing. So you know it's a pretty precise calculation um, in, in terms of what the capacity will be, and I just think it's along with everything else that that we've done. You know, with the lighting, with the sound, new concessions, with a center-hung scoreboard, et cetera, that type of thing. You know, we want to make this a, a very, very attractive and a fan-friendly venue. And clearly, chairback seating is, is a significant step forward in that direction. John, uh, some other improvements are coming. Uh, tell us about uh, the, the new facility that will be built uh, that can be used by uh, some local entities. Uh, uh, you know, the old joke was there was no air conditioning in the dome for a while. Uh, the new joke is, hey, let's get some better wireless in here, and it looks like uh, that's going to be addressed as well. Well, I think one of the things that any stadium, you know, in, in today in 2022 and going forward, fans want to share their experience in real time. And five years ago, Brent, I might have told you, I might have said, well, it's students who want to do that. Well, no, it's more than students. Fans, they want to share their memories, you know, memories that they're making live. 
it is a sporting event in real time, and you need the, the technology uh, and the digital infrastructure to do that and to handle the density that you have when you've got a sold-out dome or sold-out, you know, whether it's a MetLife or, you know, any other venue, right? You know, Madison Square Garden, the Barclays Center, you name it. So that's a very, again, very, very important, and I think is something that uh, um, it directly enhances uh, the experience for all of our fans. John, it's amazing when you think about it, and you know having gone to Syracuse at, at, at a time when the Dome was coming up as a facility, it has completely changed. You have the new scoreboard, you have the, the better lighting, you know, the food options, uh, everything about the place. I think the only thing that's left that will, will connect the generations are, are the troughs in the men's room. I mean, other than that, everything seems to, <laughs> seems to be different at this point, right? But you just said it. It's You're answering what fans have asked for for years and kind of keeping up with what the modern sports experience has to be. So I'm wondering how, you, how you're feeling about that. Has the Dome essentially caught up or maybe paced ahead of what fans expect when they go to not only a sporting event, as you said, but concerts and, and other uh, events that take place at that facility. Yeah, I think what we want this to be is, you know, we want it to be one of the preeminent venues, you know, in the country. Um, in terms of the fan experience, you know, the other item that we we, just, we announced today is, you know, a 25,000 square foot facility that's going to connect the barn center at the Arch to the Dome. And, and that can be used, that, that space will be multi-purpose. So again, it can enhance the fan experience, you know, pre-game, event, pre-event gathering space. Um, but it's also going to be something that's that can be utilized and accessible for our entire campus community. So I think that facility just just enriches the overall campus facility footprint because it can be used for academics, it can be used for conferences, et cetera, that type of thing. To your point is we want a venue that, you know, is going to be, you know, fan-friendly, that's going to make us attractive in terms of bidding for third-party events. you know, you think of the impact that, that McCartney will have, the economic impact that a McCartney concert will have here this summer, right? Um, Elton John in the fall. Think of the economic impact that Notre Dame, having that game here on our campus. And candidly, we could have moved that off campus. Um, and, and if I was just purely, purely driven by money, I would have moved that game, but I never entertained it for one second because that game deserves to be played on our campus for our fans and our students. Just think of the economic impact that Notre Dame will have on this community. So um, the Dome is it's, it's, you know, it's an iconic venue, but it's, it's also part of the economic engine and infrastructure of central New York. John, moving on to a couple other things here. Uh, recently, Jim Beheim uh, phoned into the show and uh, told us there's a, there's a plan in place to succeed him if and when he does step down, and he told us he does know when that is, though he's not going to share it at the moment. And I was wondering what you could add in terms of that plan and the conversations you've had with Jim about that and, and you know what's going to happen when the plan goes into place. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, Coach and I, we've had conversations, you know, periodically and off and on, you know, over – you know, a number of years in terms of, you know, succession planning and, and the future of the program. And what's really important for me to stress is there is nobody, nobody more than Coach Beheim who wants this program to have long-term success. 
and I'm not going to get into any details of, of, of anyone's employment agreement, you know, particularly any coaches, et cetera, that type of thing. We've had really good conversations, and what's important is, is just the passion and the commitment that Coach Beheim has to our university, our community, and, and he wants this program to, to succeed long after he steps down as head coach. He comes back next year, we know that, and it was a season that fell yeah. just short of expectation. We, we've discussed that. The, the football team fell just short in a couple games, one game short of a bowl game. Now we're in a situation with men's lacrosse, same thing. Just, John, if I could frame it, it's, it's the close but no cigar year, right? And those big three have unfortunately kind of fallen just short in terms of expectations. Collectively, it's their worst run since 1982. But we see the plan in place to improve on all fronts there. So I just wanted to kind of get your thought collectively there. We've seen the programs down, but what they're doing to take a step ahead in all instances with the coaching changes with football. Jim Beheim bringing in that recruiting class next year and the steps he's going to take. And, of course, there's already the plan in place with lacrosse with Gary Gate and company. Yeah, and I think one of the things we've talked about before, Brent, is, you know, hey, when you have a season that doesn't meet your expectations is you have to address your identifier deficiencies, you have to address your deficiencies, and I think in all three sports, you know, we've been able to do that. And, you know, spring football, I thought we had a really good spring football and off-season strength and conditioning. As you mentioned, the recruiting class that Coach Beheim has coming in, plus we you know, with, with the guys we have coming back with, you know, with Joe and with Benny and, you know, and Jesse. Um, and with men's lacrosse, again, I think, you know, what really, with Owen Hiltz getting hurt and being out for the year in our first scrimmage against Michigan really changed the complexion of the team. It changed where, got, you know, Coach Gate, and, and, and Coach March had to play offensive guys, had to play midfielders. Um, and I think, you know, again, I'm, while we're all disappointed in the record, um, uh, I'm also very optimistic about the future for all three programs. Another uh, program that has gotten a real jolt of optimism seems to be women's basketball, of course. Uh, Felicia Leggett, Jack, uh, just lit up that room at that press conference and has been doing it since. We've seen some transfers come in. We've seen some coaches hired, notably Sue Ludwig, of course, uh, Syracuse alum who was coaching here locally and has now joined the staff. Uh, what's been your early impression of, of how Felicia is building this staff and, and, the, and the roster she's putting together? I'm, I'm very, I'm very impressed, and and I think what she's doing is she's she's building a foundation, and that's exactly what needs to be done. And I think she's going about it the right way, um, you know, with with the transfers that are coming in, with the staff that she's assembled. So I'm I'm excited about I'm excited about our future. Um, very, very pleased with 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 uh, every single move that she's made. Her passion it, it is. Her passion is is so genuine and authentic. It's unbelievable for not only the university but for this community, Brent. And I just I think that's going to pay off in in uh, in many many ways. John, uh, sticking on uh, women's sports front here, uh, you know, frankly, the best team on campus right now is that women's lacrosse team. They've got a huge game coming up Friday, a rematch of that national championship game. But yesterday at the dome. Emily Harris Chuck became all-time leading goal scorer in Syracuse history, beating her coach Kayla Trainer, who held the record before. And it's been certainly there's been some challenges for that team. They've unfortunately had some injuries, but here they are in position once again to make a run. And, and Friday's going to tell us a lot 
about uh, what they can do going forward here. It's, you know, second year in a row, they're the best team on campus for the year, right? That's right. You know, you're making the championship game last year. And, I mean, you know, the ACC is brutal because you got four of the five top teams. You know, the only other one that's in there is Northwestern. So you got Carolina, you got BC, you got us and Duke. So it just, it, it speaks to the amazing in, you know, unprecedented strength of, of, of ACC women's lacrosse for Emily. Um, so happy to see her, her set that record yesterday. I congratulate her after the game and it was, it was, it was great. She just, she told me how proud and how much it meant for her to wear the Syracuse Jersey. And that's something that all our fans should know. And it was, um, it was pretty special when she said that. And the, the other thing that we did yesterday in terms of just, you know, playing off the theme of women's sports is yesterday we, we unveiled just a tremendous mural which celebrates the 50 years of Syracuse women's athletics and Title IX. It's part of our year-long celebration. Uh, the mural is, is located um, between the first and the, on the first uh, level concourse on the east end of the building, and it's just incredibly impressive. And I encourage our fans, you know, when, when they come in for a lacrosse game, if they're coming for Virginia uh, this Saturday, come a little bit early and just, and just you know, take a walk past that and just soak that in because it's, it's really, really neat. Over under five years before Emily's 51 is in the Dome Rafters, John. <laughs> I leave, I leave I leave that to our 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 honorary Jersey retirement committee. Let's make that the under. I, I think you can do it tomorrow <laughs> but, if you really wanted to. She's earned it. Uh, well, I mean, you know, unbelievable, you know, unbelievable, uh, just phenomenal, phenomenal career, and I think she's leaving here at least with two degrees, maybe three degrees. So, you know, far more than just an extraordinary athlete and extraordinary student athlete. John, we started with the dome, and I want to circle back to it in this way. Uh, I just I wanted to circle back on an idea that people have had, and it's been discussed and kind of fell by the wayside, and maybe worth bringing up again with all the improvements that have been made in the facility. Is is there still a possibility of putting the court in the middle of the carrier dome and having a basketball game that way? Is that still something that's on uh, on the list of possibilities? Um, I, candidly, it's not, you know, it's not on the top of my list. Um, I think the key thing that if you're going to do that is you really got to figure out how you're going to do your seating and your configuration and your sight lines for fans. And that's, that's a heck of a lot easier said than done. So to be candid with you, you know, is it, you know, near the top of, of my to-do list when it comes to the dome? It's not. Okay. How about having another uh, hockey game in the carrier dome? Is that, is that higher on your list of, of possibilities? I think we're due for um, one of those. You know, I mean, you got you got to talk to Howard Dolgen on that one. So I defer to Howard, but I wasn't here when that happened. But I think I thought that was really cool. You know, I was living in Connecticut at the time and just reading about it and seeing the highlights. I thought that was really cool. So, um, but if, if Howard wanted to do that, um, I'd be happy to have the conversation with Howard and, and Pete Sell and. See if there's a way it could be done. Well, if you're leaving it up to Howard, it's happening. I'll just I'll just put it to you that way. So I look forward to the game next year. Check that off the list. Done and done. Fantastic. I love it. Uh, and John, you had a great conversation with uh, my colleague Chris Carlson at Syracuse.com about this, and I would encourage people to to read it. But I wanted to ask, in the terms of name, image, and likeness, you know, last year we were just in in the dark. Okay, we all had to see how this is going to play out. We don't have all the answers right now, but we have some. 
So what, what's been the biggest lesson you've learned about keeping Syracuse competitive in this ever-evolving name, image, and likeness marketplace? Um, embrace change. Change, change is our constant companion in life, right? And, you know, in our professional lives and our personal lives, and you've got to embrace change. And, yeah, while it'd be great if there was national legislation and there were very defined guardrails in terms of what you can and can't do with an IL, the reality is there isn't. So you've got to embrace what's there, the change that came. We prepared for it, and I think we've done a good job of educating, communicating with our student-athletes, with their parents, um, working with them, uh, supporting them to the extent that we can in terms of securing NIL deals, and, uh, and we'll continue to do that. But embrace change because it's, it, it doesn't matter what business you're in. It doesn't matter, you know, you know, our lives change, right? You know, our, our kids grow up, they go to college, right? You miss them. Well, guess what? Embrace change. Your kid's ready to go to college. You should be proud of them. John, uh, so much uh, covered there, but so much to come. We'll look forward to uh, who puts their name on the dome and the details of that and how all these seasons play out here down the stretch here. And uh, before we know it, another semester will be in the books. But uh, we appreciate your time and your insight as always. We we'll look forward to doing it again. But uh, thanks for your time today. My, my pleasure, Brent. Thank you. Thank you, sir. It's John Wildhack, ladies and gentlemen, Syracuse Athletic Director. We will break on that note, react to a little bit of what he said, and more coming up. Stay right there.